Amen. Praise God. Let me just open up the service as we transition to the message with a word of prayer. Uh, let us pray together. In Isaiah 40, it says, To whom will you compare me, or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift up your eyes and look to the heavens. Who created all these? He who brings out the stereo hosts one by one and calls forth each of them by name. Because of his great love and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Heavenly Fathers, we want to thank you for loving us and for knowing us. Every number of hair are numbered, and you know all things from inside out. You know our thoughts and our deeds. Heavenly Father, we turn to you right now with humility, and we ask God that you open up our ears and our hearts to receive your word. May the message today not be complicating, Lord, but may it be simple that even a child can understand that may we have a pure heart as a child to receive your word with humility. I pray, Lord, that you protect us at this very moment and may the words of my mouth and the meditation of all the hearts for those who are here listening, Lord, may it be pleasing in your sight, O oh God, for you are our rock and our redeemer. We thank you. We love you. We give you all the glory and all the honor. We pray all these things. Your precious Son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. All of God's people pray. Amen. And amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you for being here with us. Can we all take our seat? And let's just take a moment to greet our fellow neighbor at this time before we begin. Thank you for joining our small and humble church. And joining us in our service this morning. I'm excited to be here with you. And today we're going to take a little break from the series that we've been on. We've been talking about real faith. And today I felt led in my heart to share with you a familiar sermon uh, that I haven't done in a while. But I went back to the archives and I just wanted to share this message. And I tweaked it a little, changed it a little bit. Uh, for it to fit, uh, especially what is going on today. And I pray, and I've been praying for each and every single one of you, that your hearts will be open and receive the message well with humility. Uh, so with that, I'll share with you the title. The title of today's message is, Do You Know? Can we turn to our neighbor and ask, Do You Know? <laughs> and then go, Do You Know Who God Is? So A.W. Tozer, one of my favorite pastors, he's no longer alive, but he said this, the most important thing about you, I'll say it again, the most important thing about a person is how and what you think about God. I'll say that again, the most important thing about you is how and what you think about God. So today, as we're sitting here, when God comes to your mind, what comes to your mind? What is the first thing that comes to your thoughts. Therefore, the best way for us to understand the self, the best way to know my calling and what my purpose here is in this life, and what is going on within myself, we must first come to know who God is first. You need to know who He is and who our God is, who this King is. 
So right now, instead of focusing on our problems and our situations, for we all are undergoing struggles and trials at this very moment, instead of focusing on our dreams and our purposes, I want to start off today by looking up to God and to know God, to know Him, and to know His attributes. So in Isaiah 40 and Psalm 139, these two passages are going to be the anchor point in today's message. And in Isaiah 40, it says in verse 25 to 26, it says, To whom will you compare me? This is the Lord speaking through the prophet Isaiah. He's saying, To whom will you compare me? This is what God is saying. Or who is my equal, says the Holy One. Lift, your, lift up your eyes and look to the heavens who created all these. He who brings out the stereo host one by one and calls forth each of them by name because of his great power and mighty strength, not one of them is missing. Amen. The question is, do you know that God has a plan for you? And let's go deeper. Do you know the plan that God has for you? Again, do you know that God has a plan for you? And do you know the plan that God has for you? For you, Because in Jeremiah 29, it says, For I know, the Lord says, I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord. Plans to what? To prosper you, not to harm you. A plan to give you hope and a future. The Bible teaches us that He has a plan for our lives. And it's not dependent on how you feel. It's not about how you feel about yourself. But the Bible says it's not about your feelings, but about the truth of God. So as we're sitting here today, some of us, we may feel useless. We may feel broken. We may feel drained out. But that's a good thing because Psalm 51, Matthew 5 reminds us that a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart, that that kind of individual, the Lord will not despise. He will not ignore. It says in Matthew 5, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So for those of us who feel broken today and are lost, you're at the right place because the Word of God is going to bring us back on the right path. And the Word of God today is going to remind us of who God is. And we understand who God is, we will understand who I am, what my calling is, what my purpose is in this life. C.S. Lewis said it like this in the book, Mere Christianity. He said, really great moral teachers never do introduce new moralities. It is quacks and cranks who do that. It says people need to be reminded more often than they need to be instructed. The real job of every moral teacher is to keep on bringing us back time after time to the old simple principles which we are so anxious not to see, like bringing a horse back and back to the fence it has refused to jump, or bringing a child back and back to the bit in its lesson that it wants to shirk. So C.S. Lewis is reminding us that the best teacher is not someone who comes up with a new kind of teaching, but go back to the basics. So we're all going back to uh, Bible school, like when we're children, Understanding the basics of who God is. 
And as we listen to today's message, may we be like children, simple, pure-hearted. Well, actually, not all children are that pure, but simple, childlike faith, not a childish faith. And can we turn to God and be reminded of his goodness, of who he is, of his love. But if you're sitting here today and you have a twisted view of God, and you say, God is not fair, God is not good, God is not loving, then in your pain, in your struggle, your, your faith will be poisoned. But if you have the right perspective of God, again, the question, do you know? Do you know that he is good? If you have the right perspective of God, the right thinking of God, then even in your struggle, you will praise God. You will not curse him, and you will not turn away from him. So as the preacher and the teacher to you this morning in today's service, I'm not here to give you something new, but I'm here to remind you, again, as C.S. Lewis said, reminder is what we need, to remind you of God's truth, the truth, not your feelings, but the truth that has always been and shall be forever and ever. In Jesus' name. So every time we get stuck in life, may we turn to Isaiah 40 and Psalm 139. And Psalm 139 is going to be the passage that I'm going to use in the three points that I have for you this morning. And Psalm 139 is very important because it is very personal. Isaiah 40 is about God. Psalm 139 is about God and also in relation to me as a human being, to the Lord. And I remember sharing Psalm 139. I share Psalm 139 often, especially in a hospital, in a chaplain setting, uh, because it is very personal. and It speaks to us in a way where we understand who God is and who I am before God. And I remember sharing Psalm 139 for the first time. Um, I knew an individual who became pregnant in college and aborted the child. And as we share Psalm 139, I just remember the presence of God was very heavy uh, in that very room. So I want to encourage you, and I pray that Psalm 139 will bring you healing and encouragement here today. So when life gets hard, and when the waters are over you, and you feel like drowning, may you always turn to the scripture. And today, we're going to focus on Isaiah 40. And Psalm 139. And the scripture today is going to teach us and remind us just how big and powerful our God is. Amen. Amen. So with that, let's begin with point number one. Point number one, he is omniscient. What is omniscient? Omni meaning all. Shen mean knowing. He is all-knowing. That's what we're saying. He is all-knowing. And if you go to Psalm 139, verse 1 through 6, we're going to stay on Psalm 139. It says, O Lord, you have searched me and you know me. This psalmist is saying this. He's saying, you know when I sit and when I rise. He's talking to God. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down. And you are familiar with all my ways. Before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. You hem me in behind and before. You have laid your hand upon me. Such knowledge is too wonderful for me, too lofty for me to attain. 
Now, there are a lot of key words here, but the word here, the word search, is to look carefully. It's like, imagine you lose your key, something important, a valuable to you, a jewelry, a piece of jewelry, and you're searching for it. And the word here, no, the word no means yada in Hebrew, which means it's an intimate word. And the word no is mentioned three times here in these few verses, verse, verse 1 through 6. It says no, no, no. And if you want to understand and go deeper in that word, no, it says in Genesis, it says, Adam knew Eve. In King James Version, it says, Adam knew Eve, and then she conceived. So that word, no, yada, is an intimate word in Hebrew context. So you cannot just go up to someone randomly in Hebrew culture and be like, oh, I yada you. It's a dangerous, intimate word, and you don't use that just with a casual friend. So when you say, I know you, when the psalmist is saying, Lord, you have searched me, you know me, and you know when I sit and when I rise, you know it completely, Lord. When he's saying that, he's saying this is an intimacy. It's not just a casual intimacy between you and me, God, that it's a God that I heard in a fairy tale or something that I learned when I was a child in Bible school, but this is an intimacy that is closer than a husband and a wife in a family setting. This is not a word that you use to a stranger. You have searched me and you know me. You know when I sit, when I rise. You perceive my thoughts from afar. You discern my going out and my lying down, and you are familiar with all my ways. In other words, you know all my thoughts. You know all my ways. God is omniscient. The devil is not. The devil does not know your future, Francis. He does not know what you're thinking. A psychic thinks that they know your future because the devil knows your pattern of your past. He knows what will irk you, what will tempt you, what will bring you down. But the devil can't get inside your mind. But the Lord right now, whatever we're thinking... Oh, I'm hungry. I think I need to use the bathroom. All those thoughts, God is inside out of us. He knows everything about us. In other words, when we say God is omniscient, we're saying he knows what's good for you. He knows what's bad for you. Life is never perfect, of course, because we live in a broken world due to our sin. However, God works in this broken world. And so point letter A, God knows all your thoughts. Letter B, God knows all your words, spoken and unspoken. Letter C, God knows all your heart. In other words, God knows everything before you even speak. It says in verse 4, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely. Oh, Lord. Imagine best friends. Remember Harry and Jerry, the twins. It's like they... Bear each other's image. I mean, obviously, they're twins, but if you look at best friends, they start to dress alike. They're able to complete each other's sentences. They know what your, that friend, that individual is thinking before they even say it. They just look at each other and be like, yep. You have the same thought because there's intimacy there. They know each other. So the Lord knows us. 
And ultimately, as we know the Lord, we start to bear the image of God and his heart. That's what David, in Psalm 139, here in verse 23, later, he says, Search me, God. Know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. So in other words, if God knows you, John, if God knows you at the core of your being, in your inmost being, then why do we not trust God with our life? Why? Why do we reject him? And God tests us. He searches our hearts because it is for our sake. It is not for his sake. It is for your sake. That's why he examines your hearts. Imagine your coach asking you a series of questions, right? To search your heart, to understand what is wrong. If you're in pain and something is wrong with you, the coach isn't just going to look at you. He's going to ask you, are you okay? What happened? He asks us why. It is for our sake that he asks us these questions. Why? Because our hearts are deceitful. Because sometimes we don't even know what we want. Because it says in Jeremiah 79, the heart is deceitful of all things, and it is beyond cure. Who can understand it? Sometimes we wake up, we don't know where our heart is. Because the heart, again, is up and down, side to side. It is deceitful. We cannot trust our heart, but we must lead our heart to the Lord. So when God asks a question to Adam and Eve, where are you? Do you think that God really didn't know that Adam and Eve were hiding like children? They're hiding behind the bush. It's like, where are you? It's like children, right? You play with little kids. It's like, where are you? Like, you see their ponytail right there behind that chair. Obviously, they're right there. But we play that game, and we get to the level, and we ask, hey, where are you? God is not asking Adam and Eve, where are you? Because he didn't know. But he asked what? For their sake. He's trying to give them hope, a second chance to turn back to the Lord. Because the heart, your heart right now, is the fountain of life. This is where everything comes from. Therefore, God, he searches our hearts, and we benefit from it. So God, before a word is on my tongue, you know it completely, O Lord. Again, letter A, God knows all your thoughts. God knows all your words, and see, God knows all your heart. Point number one, he is omniscient. Point number two, he is omnipresent. He is omnipresent. Again, all present means everywhere, everywhere. No matter where you go, he is right there. You can try to run away, go down deep into the basement, he is there. You can go up to the highest skyscraper, he is right there. We've taken many road trips, I'm sure, in our lives. Been to different countries. The world is huge. You can be alone in your bed by yourself, deep in your sleep. God is there. You can be with family, with friends, closest friends, socializing. You could be the most popular individual there, and God is there. Now they say there are about two trillion galaxies, and the world we understand is huge. 
And we understand from Isaiah 40, to understand God, to know God, is to look up to the heavens. It says, look up to the heavens and understand. That's how vast, that's how powerful, that's how big I am. You cannot outrun me. Everywhere you go, anywhere you go, anywhere you try to go and you try to hide, I am right there. Right where you are. God is there. It says in Psalm 139, Skipping over now, verse 7 through 10. Where can I go from your spirit? David, the psalmist, is saying, where can I go? Where can I flee from your presence? If I go up to the heavens, you are there. If I make my bed in the depths, you are there. If I rise on the wings of the dawn, if I settle on the far side of the sea, even there, it says, your hand, Lord, your hand, it will guide me. Your right hand will hold me Fast, fast. He's never slow, but he is fast and he will rescue you right away. So again, point two, he is omnipresent everywhere. So, so far we learn it's something that we already know. Again, we're being reminded of the truth. Number one, he is omniscient. Number two, he is omnipresent. And lastly, point three, he is omnipotent. Potent meaning powerful. He is all-powerful. All-powerful. You can be the strongest individual, and we can have all the technology and all the tools, but the Lord is the most powerful, for he's the creator of all things. It says, Psalm 139, verse 11 through 18, it says, If I say, surely the darkness will hide me, and the light become night around me. I mean, just imagine that line. Just let's not skip over that, verse 11. Surely the darkness will hide me and the light become night. How can light become night around us? It's talking about those who have gone so deep into darkness with depression and attack that even a small, a small light could illuminate the room. But even then, it has become night around me. It's talking to those, to those who are hopeless, to the powerless. Verse 12, even the darkness will not be dark to you. And the night will shine like the day, for darkness is as light to you. Even darkness is light to God. In verse 13, this is how it gets personal. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. Verse 15, my frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place, when I was woven together in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. And what we can learn from this part of the passage of Psalm 139 is letter A. He is all-powerful. In other words, no darkness can overcome him. B, he is all-powerful. He created all things. Letter C, he is all-powerful. He created you for a purpose, for a reason. There's a reason why you're here for such a time as this. 
So at the end of our trials, or during our trials, during our struggles, and at the end of it all, we can, as Christians, we declare, we say, I praise you because as David praised God here, he says, I praise you because why? Because I am fearfully and wonderfully made, as it says in verse 14. He says, your works are wonderful. I know full well. Amen. And as mentioned earlier, we understand this all-knowing, this everywhere present, this all-powerful, omnipotent God, who is he? I know in my point I say he is, he is, he is. Who is this person? Who is this he? His name is Jesus Christ. Omnipresent, omniscient, omnipotent. Yeshua, right? Yeshua, Yahshua is Jah means Yahweh. Shua means salvation. In Hebrew means God saves. The word in Greek is Jesus. Jesus, Yeshua, Yahweh, the Messiah, the Son of God, the Lord is salvation. God saves. That's what it's saying. So when we say He and He is God, Yahweh, Yeshua, we're saying I am. Jesus saying, Jesus says, He says, I am the Lord. I am the Prince of Peace. I am the King of Kings, the Lord of Lords, the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end. I am the Savior, meaning I am this big and powerful God, as the psalmist said in Psalm 139. I am this powerful God, as it says in Isaiah 40, who can hold the stars in his place with his hands. He is this big God, yet the Bible also teaches us that he is also at the same time a personal God. He is our intimate friend, and he is our good Father. And we understand through Scripture that Jesus is not only our good Father, but he is a good shepherd. And that's why throughout Psalm and throughout the gospel, we see Jesus as a shepherd. The Lord is my shepherd, David says in Psalm 23. John 10, Jesus says about himself, he says, I am the good shepherd. The good shepherd lays down his life for the sheep. The higher hand is not the shepherd and does not own the sheep. So when he sees the wolf coming, he abandons the sheep and runs away. Then the wolf attacks and the flock and scatters, scatters it. The man runs away because he has a higher hand and cares nothing for the sheep. But he says, I am the good shepherd. I know my sheep. He says, I know. Again, different word written in Greek, but we understand the context of the word know. Yada, the intimate word. I know my sheep. And the sheep, my sheep, know me. Just as the Father knows me and I know the Father, again, the intimacy, the triune God, the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, as we know each other, I know you and you know me. I lay down my life for the sheep. They too will listen to my voice, and there shall be one flock and one shepherd. And I share this often at our nursing home, Luke 15, where even our website is, the Bruce Church 9941, right? 9941. And it says here, Jesus says, doesn't he leave the 99? It says, if you have 100 sheep and you lose one of them, doesn't he leave the 99 in the open country and go after that one lost sheep until he finds it? And when he finds it, what does he do? This is the most descriptive version in the gospel in the book of Luke. It says, he joyfully puts it on his shoulders and goes home. 
Then he calls his friends and neighbors together and says, Rejoice with me, I have found my lost sheep. So Jesus is our close and a personal friend, our good father, and he is the good shepherd. Jesus, our shepherd, knows exactly what you're going through and which trials you're going through and what testing we need to change us and to mold us and to shape us into the person that he desires you to be. Therefore, in trials, letter D, continuing on. I'm just going on to letter F, not all the way to Z. D is, in trials, we look up. Look up. Look up to the heavens. Look up to God. Don't be like Saul, where he was too tall, where he looked down on people. He was a head taller than everyone, and he looked down, and his shortcoming was that he never looked up to God. David, he always looked up to God. He never fell into pride because he looked up to God with humility. So in your circumstances, a lot of times we do this. We look at side to side, and we look down, and we look down on people. Look up. How will we look to God when we go through financial problems, family problems, and all types of problems? Letter E, in trial, seek wisdom. The Bible says, if you're lacking wisdom, you ask God. James 1.5 says, if you lack wisdom, ask God. He gives it to you generously without finding fault. Ask him, and he will give you wisdom. And the context here is trial, hardships. Wisdom will help you step back and to see the bigger picture and understand that there is a reason for what I am going through right now. And lastly, letter F, in trials I am strengthened. I am not destroyed. I am not destroyed. And a lot of times we say things like, God is tempting me. God is too harsh. Here's a reality check. God doesn't tempt us. He cannot tempt. We went over last week. He is not a God who tempts us. For He is not susceptible to temptation because he is a perfect being, a holy God. But God does give you trials. Right, Francis? Boot camp. <laughs> Because God gives you trials, it doesn't mean God's evil. Maybe you're um, the boot camp sergeant, the one, the drill sergeant, he's yelling at you, and your wrestling coach yelling at you, your judo coach yelling at you. Does John yell? I don't know, does he? I'm not sure. (laughs) Yelling teachers, they give you trials, not because they're evil, but because in trials we understand is for us to level up, for us to grow in our walk, in our respective sport. So whenever we're going through trials, let us not say, God is tempting me. But let us say, the Lord is good. And God, there's a reason for all of this. And I'll trust in you. And I'll rely on you here today. And the purpose to that is, like Joseph And I'm closing with this. Uh, In a foreign country, we understand that God was right there with him. He said in Genesis 50, verse 20, uh, 
after his brother sold him into slavery. You intended to harm me, but God intended it for good, to accomplish what is now being done, the saving of many lives. Joseph didn't blame God or cast blame on the Lord, but he trusted in the Lord in every circumstances in his life. Through the ups and the downs, he trusted him. And I want to share this story with you. Um, this is a story that I heard when I was young. And I want to share this story with you. And as we listen to the story, uh, I want to encourage you uh, to open your hearts and your ears to see what the Lord is trying to do in your life through this story and be encouraged. And I would like for us to see the Lord's heart through this testimony. So as we begin, let us ask the Lord, Lord, what amazing and different plan do you have in store for my life right now? Lord, what is keeping me from seeing you right now? So the story that I heard when I was young is about a young gentleman. His name is Robert Lee, a 1.5 generation immigrant from Korea. And his goal and his dream in life was to be to have the Olympic gold medal, to be an Olympic gold medalist in gymnastics. So at a young age, he won all kinds of medals. He got scholarship offers from best universities in America. His dream, again, was to go to the 1988 Olympics in South Korea and Seoul. And his testimony is that, I will make you proud of me, mom and dad. Meaning, I will get a gold medal. And what did the parents say? They said, no. Become a doctor or a lawyer. And one day, he ignored the parents. He went to practice faithfully, worked hard. And as he was in practice doing his routine, just like any other day in practice, he did a move that he had practiced a thousand times prior. And he said in his testimony, it felt very strange like as if I was floating in air. And then I realized something bad happened, had happened. And you know, in life, any tragedy can happen. I remember seeing a video of this individual. She graduated high school on June 25th, 2014. And June 30th, 2014, five days later, she was all about health and fitness. She, the video is about her taking a selfie after a good workout. A few hours later, 3.40 p.m. that same day, she found herself in a hospital with her left hand ripped off. If you ever watched the documentary about the Dawn Wall, about the climbers Tommy Caldwell and Kevin Georgeson, an accident where he loses a part of his hand and he has to relearn how to climb and we understand that tragedy can happen in life at an instant so after this event when the father came going back to the story of Robert Lee when the father came to the hospital to see his son instead of asking are you okay my son he said instead of asking that he said what did I tell you? I told you not to pursue this. 
This young man broke down and wept. And to make the long story short, as he's in the hospital, paralyzed, a chaplain and people from his church would visit him often to his room. And they would speak to him about the love of God. They would speak to him about God's love. Again, the omnipresent, the omniscient, the omnipotent, the love of God, the character of God, the attribute of God. And he had every reason to be bitter and angry towards God, right? Imagine being at a young age and that happening to you. How would you react? And he went to church, but his relationship with God was pretty superficial, like many 1.5 generation immigrants. And his testimony is that after a while of this chaplain and the people from his church visiting him, He said, for the first time in his life, he realized his true purpose. And what was the true purpose? Is to know God's unconditional love. And he said in his testimony, I found my purpose. My purpose is to know God's love for me. Just like the story of Joseph. To understand that it's all about the unconditional love of God. The unconditional love, more than gold medals, more than success, more than fame, more than family, God's unconditional love was what he was longing for for all his life. So in his story, during rehab, he would meet a lot of doctors, medical students, and the desire to become a physician started to grow in his heart. Therefore, he says in his testimony, he studied really, really hard to become a doctor. He said it was almost impossible. Long story short, he went to the best medical school and he eventually became a doctor. So when the patients come to the hospital, they come angry in life with a condition, with a pain. And they say, what do you know about my pain? And they look at the doctor on a wheelchair and they're shocked. And they say, you are my doctor. And within five minutes, they say, I have hope. What we need to understand that God is using this man, this doctor, to bring hope to many and has brought many people to God. And just like the story of Joseph, you may not see it now, and you will. He is touching more lives than he could have done with a gold medal. And even though we live in a broken world, We will lose many things in this life. We need to understand that we have already won. How have we won? We have won in Jesus Christ. In his testimony, he said, Troubles are many, but misery is our choice. He said, All of your dreams can be destroyed in an instant, even when you're at your highest of highs. The greatest triumph you can have is to trust your life in the hands of God. Amen. And amen. In the movie Vanilla Sky, it says each passing minute is another chance to turn it all around. So as we're here today, may we understand that it is not an accident that we're here and to be reminded of his love of the attributes of God. The devil wants to take you away from the path, the right path. Right now, 
we have the opportunity to turn to the Lord with thanksgiving and with gratitude. And no matter what trials and suffering we are undergoing right now, may we turn to the Lord with humility and with thanksgiving. And with that, let me just end the song again with verse 13 to 18. And if you could all bow your heads with me. For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was made in the secret place. When I was woven together in the depths of the earth, your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. How vast is the sum of them. Were I to count them, they would outnumber the grains of sand. When I awake, I am still with you. Amen and amen. So, Heavenly Father, as we have learned today and was reminded of who you are and how patient and how amazing of with the unconditional love you have for us. Lord, may we not take it for granted, but may we with humility turn to you in repentance. And God, ask you to come to our rescue. And we declare today that, God, you are a good father, and you are the good shepherd that will lay down his life, that has already laid down his life for us. And the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is the bridge, just like the bridge that exists, like the GW, the Tappan Zee to get to the other side. Well, the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ is the bridge to the Father, to you. We thank you for the death and the resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ. We thank you for the cross. We thank you for your love. And we thank you for your unconditional love for us. Strengthen us here today and renew our passion for you and our calling for you. We thank you. We love you. We pray all these things. In your precious son, Jesus Christ, let me pray. Amen. And amen. Thank you. Uh, can we all stand to our feet? We have an offering song for us, and then we'll transition to the offering pr- prayer. Let's sing together.
shattered heart and make it beat again. Oh, you hold us all together in your hands. I surrender all I have and all I am. You make Make all.